Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Did you miss me? Because I sure missed you. Welcome back to the Coach Fury Podcast. We return with episode 86. Today's guest is Todd Bumgarner from Strength Faction and BSP Nova. Hey, uh, look, I thought it was three months, but it turns out as I'm looking at the dates on the files here on the computer, that it's been a four-month hiatus. It was unexpected. It was unplanned, but it turned out to be all for good reason why we took a sudden break. You'll hear about it in this episode. But big things have happened in the life of, in my life. I almost spoke to myself in the, of myself in the third person. Uh, big things have been happening. It's been an awesome adventure. And finally, I have the mental headspace and time to dedicate back to this show because I missed it. Uh, but I had to focus my efforts elsewhere, which you'll, you'll hear about. A couple of little things that are going to change here. Ideally, we're going to release two to four episodes at a time, as opposed to just worrying about being purely weekly. And Glenn's going to draw one killer piece of art for, um, per month so that we can just get stuff out to you more. Because I realized that the weekly thing didn't seem to have an impact on, on listenership. I know that's the traditional thing. But we'll get some out so you can listen to them and maybe binge watch a little bit or binge listen like Netflix. Um, the other thing is, is we're going to keep these short and actionable. So they're going to be more like an hour or under so that we can have a talking point. It's still not going to be a traditional Q and a, it's still going to be conversational, but having just gone through massive business changes, um, I wanted to have more of an action step or a takeaway for people, uh, in addition to getting to know one another. And yes, there will still be Godzilla episodes and toy and music episodes. That's not going away. Uh, but just a little shorter, a little tighter, um, and it just feels really weird and great to be recording an intro again. Uh, the intros are always my least favorite part. But thank you for rolling. Uh, people were listening while we weren't making episodes. I, I was shocked when I finally went back out onto the main page and saw that over 30,000 people have listened to the Coach Fury podcast now. So, Or at least there have been 30,000 listens. So thank you for that. I love it. If you want to support the show with a little financial donation, patreon.com slash coachfurypodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash coachfurypodcast. Uh, hey, if you want to check out some workshops, look, <laughs> Ramon is here barking at dogs on the street. Hey, Mona. Hey, Moni. Yeah, there's a big dog across the street. Uh, hey, uh, workshops for the rest of the year are pretty much sold out with the exception of this coming Sunday, September 8th, is going to be Original Strength, the first one in Brooklyn, the first one at Fury Industries, a.k.a. the Speakeasy of Strength. And that was the first hint, folks. I have opened up my own brick and mortar studio. I'm not renting from anybody individually uh, except for my landlord. We have a studio. Uh, you'll hear more about that coming up. So come and check out Original Strength. It's going to be a special one. It's going to be a smaller one because uh, A, we're a small location, but I'm really trying to keep the continuing education courses that happen at Fury Industries to be smaller, more intimate, so nobody's getting lost sort of in the crowd or in the attendance hunt. So uh, come and check that out. The other ones for the years, we have a couple RKCs, but they're sold out. And keep an eye out, though, for things next year. Because uh, 2020 is, it always shocks me when we're still a quarter of the year away and 2020 is starting to fill out already. So uh, visit www.fury-industries.com. See that? The website changed um, to see what's going on in the world of Fury. And <laughs> this is really exciting. And I'm looking forward to talking with, with Todd, for you, for you to hear this conversation with Todd. So like I said, there's going to be a focal point. The focal point of this one is Todd, over the last three or four years, has done an amazing job at helping guide me uh, to structuring what I wanted my fitness professional career or professional fitness career to, to be like. What would fit not just financially, 
not just like recognition wise in terms of the facilities that I was at or whatnot, but also like how I want to live my life on the day to day and moving forward. So I don't kind of build my own trap. And that's going to dovetail wonderfully into the next episode with Rob Aguera Hoffman, the owner of Lift Positive uh, and uh, another strength fraction homie. So anyway, let's just get to it. Check out the website, visit Patreon, listen though, most importantly, and please subscribe and drop a rating. Those still do help. Uh, and I know the guests really dig it when they feel like you know, their episode shines a little bit. That's awesome for them. But most importantly, thank you for coming back to the show and giving us a listen. I hope you get more out of it than we did before. And uh, yeah, I'm just stoked to be back. Episode 86 with Todd Bumgarner. And this is the first episode. Like fucking, we went dark about three months ago. Um, as I was moving into the dance studio, I started having technical issues on a couple of guests and then the fucking lease thing happened. So we're back. So this is the first one like coming from Fury Industries. It's fucking cool, crazy. man. That's super rad. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm just going to fucking do an intro. It's so weird. This feels foreign again. Hey, everybody. Uh, <laughs> the show is back. Uh, I'm going to go into in a future episode fully kind of what happened, but the craziness uh, of, of why we have been gone for about three months is initially I just had some technical difficulties uh, from the living room recording with some guests. Sorry, Jason C. Brown, we are going to get you on the show. Uh, and then I moved into a dance studio uh, for anybody that follows me on social media. And then a month later, folks, this is the first episode being recorded from Fury Industries. Not my living room, not a dance studio. So folks, I have opened up the speakeasy of strength, which is so crazy to actually uh, say that, but I now have a storefront street level Brooklyn neighborhood business. And uh, the, the next bunch of episodes of this podcast are going to be from people that have had a massive, not a small, not a little bit of help in making this happen, but like a massive impact on me uh, as a coach and as a business owner. And now as a, officially as a business owner, which is a weird thing to talk about because we'll get into it in a moment. But the first guest back, Todd Bumgardner from Strength Faction. So, Hi, man. Hey, Todd. Really Hi. quickly, for those since it's been a while, and it's sure. been a while since you've been on, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself uh, from a business perspective. Yeah, sure, man. So, uh, like you mentioned, uh, I'm one of the guys that started Strength Faction, co-owner, co-founder, um, along with Chris Merritt and Mike Connolly. And then Chris and I also co-own a gym. Uh, we do what's called, we call it small group personal training because uh, normal people can understand what that means, uh, which most folks in the industry would call semi-private. Um, and we have that in uh, Sterling, Virginia, about between four and 5,000 square feet. And, you know, we just mostly do small group personal training. Um, as my role is, uh, plays out there, um, when it comes to, I, I'm kind of a utility guy and helping Chris do a lot of things based on, um, you know, the plan we're trying to execute based on our vision and our big rocks and stuff. But like my main role is, uh, I'm in charge of the product that we put out. So we make a big promise and I make sure that we're trying to live up, that we're living up to that promise and, and exceeding it. So really I'm in charge of, of staff development, of making sure that our coaching programs and our, uh, our actual coaching is just implemented the way that it's supposed to be implemented and then better than that 
and then just helping our guys get to the next level personally and professionally. That's, that's really my big role there. Um, and in strength faction, I just, I'm the, I guess the captain of the ship, you know, and you know, Chris is the captain of the ship at the gym. I'm the captain of the ship of the strength faction. So we kind of switch back and forth and really it's just in the strength faction, you know, uh, I do a lot of stuff, man. I, I do all the marketing. Um, I help, you know, we all work on everything together, but you know, I'm charged of making sure the curriculum's curated the way we want, the way we want it to be curated. I'm charged of, you know, making sure that you guys mentors, the mentors like you have things that you need. Um, and just kind of running the whole kind of show. So there's a lot of hats there. So it's kind of tough to pull apart in, in one little statement, but that's, that's where we're at now. That's awesome. And I think it's a good point. How you mentioned your hand is in so many hats between the two companies. And one of the things I want to talk about, so folks, the, the change you're going to hear in this show is as, as opposed to like a, an enjoyable rambling discussion. And there'll be elements of that is I want to, since, since I'm coming into this now as a direct result of friends' advice and input, not just in one point, but over the years, I, I want you to have hopefully maybe a more direct takeaway um, from this. And the thing that Todd, if I were to break down the, the single thing, although it happened over many times in many instances, is Todd had a really big impact on helping guide me to make the decisions of not just what should I do in the moment professionally, but how, how do I want to like really trying to focus? How do I want to see myself one year, two year, five years, a career down the line, whether he realized fully he was doing it. So for example, I met Todd at an in-service at MFF, I think in 2015, uh, I think 2016 is when strength faction launched. And that's when we started becoming a little closer because you were going to do online training. I was going to online train with you directly and then strength faction launched and I became through wheels, uh, a member of that. And I remember, hitting this point where I felt like I worked at the best gym in the world and I was traveling, teaching all these workshops and I had a decent amount of outside independent clients and you know, I, so much stuff that I love doing, but uh, I was getting so ground down physically, emotionally, I was just wiped out. And then you also, even when you have a great staff job at a great place, the reality is it's like income per hour value, you have to start gauging yourself, your level of ex expertise um, over how much you have an emotional attachment to the place or even security, right? And I still remember being on 37th Street, I'm forgetting the name of the, the, the grocery store we used to get lunches from, but I remember talking to Todd and being like, Todd, I'm thinking of leaving, what do you think? And going through the steps and Todd really was like, how do you, see your life going and at a late and that was actually like a big impetus he pretty much said just go tell mark to go fuck himself <laughs> yeah. that's not it at all but he was like you know like we he, he he most importantly you listened as opposed to just having an opinion you listened to me gave me some things to think about and i was like i think a week later i'm like yeah i think this is it like i'm and it was scary as shit and then this business model that I thought in my head evolved and changed so many times since then. My goal then was I'm going to focus on being like an educator and traveling and doing workshops and doing more online training so that I wasn't losing session business while I was traveling, everything on the computer. And then I realized I hated doing online training. I've talked about in the past. I hate doing it past a certain point, I should say. Um, uh, I, I used to say I would take 15 people max. I take 10 now. I, I don't push it as hard. Uh, I do treat it like a brick and mortar part of my business, though. It is on my banner and on my window that I do online coaching. I take it very seriously, but it's not my money grab at all. It's like I want to help a certain amount of people, sure. the that I have. 
And I think every now and then I would touch back with Todd about like, well, this business model isn't working out. I think I'm going to do this. And I remember the last time it had something to do with me where I would have ended up traveling in and out of the city a lot. And you were just like, well, do you want to commute a lot? And I'm very clearly in my head, I was like, no. And that was a big switch for me to try to build something in Brooklyn. So um, that's a little bit of what got us here, folks. Like, you know the story. I started training people out of the living room uh, for over a little, almost a year and a half. And then I brought people to a dance studio. The dance studio was going, right. people don't even fucking know this one, right? Because this had happened as this was going on. The dance studio schedule was difficult because I was renting hourly, but I was trying to do full classes. The place, the place was amazing. The women running it were amazing, but I had a limited schedule. And I knew that in fall, they have a very school-based for kids schedule that it was going to change. And I just saw my membership dropping. I just, right. there's going to be a drastic change happening that if I don't do something, I wouldn't pay for one night class a week. Like it just right. wasn't, I, I knew it was going to hit. And I randomly walked by a place literally across the street, uh, put in a call, found out that the price was about two grand less than I thought it was going to be. And within three days with my wife in China, I signed a lease and Four weeks later, we were teaching classes in here. We officially opened uh, two weeks after that. That's so, awesome. folks, that's the Fury industry story. But we would not be here. A, strength faction in general had a lot of impact just from the business and seeing and learning, not just in the curriculum, but other coaches. So we'll get it on that at other talks. I actually want to speak, specifically speak to Chris Merritt, who had a massive uh, impact on a direct decision on something for me. Uh, but Todd... Through Strength Faction, I've been now three years, I think it's been as a mentor since I was a, a member. And the coolest thing now is I've seen you grow in your role in Strength Faction. I don't mean, folks, I don't mean more popular. Like I've just seen Todd and Chris and Mike. I'm, I see more of Todd and Chris. I've seen them literally grow into the people that we would bring on Q&As. So I do think we're, if you sign up now or a next phase, this isn't a marketing ad. I'm just saying, folks, this is fucking real. When you hear names that do online coaching support, marketing support, business management support, strength action's fucking it because I've seen these cats now sharpen the sword for years and we're all getting older and we all have more experience. Um, and one of the things I remember being on the early strength action Q and A's, so I promise I'll let you talk to you. You're good, man. Go ahead. Was we had so many trainers fucking bloodshot, dreary eyes. Cause they were so tired on those evening calls from just working like seven days a week, 18 hours a day, carrying the weight of the world on them. And two years later, a lot of them were like fucking bright and smiley, making more money, making better decisions, uh, improving their quality of life. And that had a big impact too. And I think Strength Faction delivered a lot of structure for people to do what I want this talk to be, but uh, what, what, what I'd like to talk about with you today is how can coaches or business owners adapt their lives to work for them? Right. Like what would you, what, what, how do you first go about that? I know that's a broad question, but say yeah. sounds like I'm working all these hours. Um, you know, I, I have no quality of life. What's the first, because usually people can't see a simple answer in front of them then. What's the first thing you, you try to pick out from their information to help them? Yeah, uh, the first thing would be is, is making sure that they have systems. Because uh, do you have the systems to implement that makes your, makes your life, your working life efficient? Um, and, and if you don't, and you don't have them nailed down and you don't have them documented, um, that makes things a lot harder because you're just all of your time uh, is going to seem like it's, it's, it's erratic, um, that you don't have control of it and that's going to stress you out. And it's actually going to make you take more time to do work than you should be doing. Um, so I think that's step number one is like, okay, so let's sit down and look at like what you're doing 
and, and what kind of systems you do have. And if you don't have them, let's figure that out and start to, to put your systems together. Um, and, and that's like breaking for one sec. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off on a flow. Can you define systems? Because I think for some of us, systems is a buzzword that people like to throw out like yeah. authenticity and they don't even really know what you mean by systems. It's, it's, it's just like it's, it's the replicable aspect of your business that you that you produce daily like and that's the the simplest thing to do it's like your your program system it's how do you consistently put a program together what are the elements what how do you uh make the decisions and how do you replicate it and then your contingency plans based on that so it's like if this then this so like a coaching system would be like or an onboarding system like when some come someone comes into our gym they sit down for a consultation with chris and sometimes me then then they go to their uh their, their orientation session, then they start their free week, then they start their 21 day, and it's just a system that flows through. When we write a program, we sit down, these are the things that we do, these are the things that we think about, this is how it works, and we have that documented. When we coach someone, these are the ways that we cue, this is what we look for when we introduce this movement, this is how we introduce this movement. And it's just, it's really the how and the implementation um, done consistently, and that's, that's really all it is from that's a system and, and being able to think through contingencies based on that. That's what a right. Thanks. I think that's a useful piece. Cause I think too, yeah, for sure sold a lot on systems. You know, like if you look at like the sponsored ads that show up probably on mine and most, most trainers, Facebook pages or Instagram, there's a lot of big numbers selling high cost sales of systems. Right. Yeah. It's just the replicable aspects of your business. It's how you perform your business. And, and I think, um, it's just, it's the element that creates consistency. And, and when we have that, it saves us a lot of energy. It saves us a lot of thought. It cuts down on anxiety. Um, and you can just act and it makes it replicable. So when you sit down, you know, every time I sit down to, to write a program, which I don't write that many of anymore, I go through the same steps because um, that's how Chris had had it set up. When our guys go to coach someone um, during their orientation session, they follow the same kind of SOP. Now the SOP, the system, the standard operating procedure, isn't like, it's not like chiseled into stone. It is the guide that allows them to function um, and use their own individuality to, to solve a problem. But without that, it makes things much tougher. So if you don't have systems um, that you consistently follow, that's step number one. Um, because it's just, you're, to, when you get those start, when you get those cleaned up, then you have space to think. And then when you have space to think and you have something that's replicable, you have, you have something that you can sell. You know what I mean? Cause if you don't have those things on like kind of defined, you don't have them on paper, you don't have anything to sell really. Like you have, maybe you're a great coach and maybe you're um, really good with people, but you don't know how to tell people what you're doing if you don't have it defined. And that's what doing systems, having systems allows you to do besides saving you time and making things efficient. Well, so you've got like it becomes selling a different experience every yeah. time too. Cause once something yeah. changes, you're not selling the same way to different people. And then you just don't know who fits. You don't know who fits. You don't know what you're doing and who you're doing it for. And, and starting to have systems defined allows you to start to sort that out for yourself. Um, I think that's step number one, because then it gives you the space to step back and think about like more of where you're going now, you know, and I say this knowing that most of the people in our industry, they don't sit back with like, they have an idea, right. Of what they want. But a lot of times they get rolling without this grand idea of how they're going to run their business. Um, what for, what's it going to look like? They, they, they start to sort that out as they go. Um, and it's certainly something that we've done. So there's nothing wrong with that. But 
Then once you have that, I think the big thing is, is figuring out what do you want? What do you want for your business? What do you want from your business? What do you want for your life? And what do you want from your life? And then where do these things blend? Because, you know, I, I listened to uh, a Paul Goff podcast that Chris had sent me um, a few weeks ago when I was out in California teaching. So I was driving around in LA um, listening to it. And it was like, you know, I think people forget that we build businesses, you know, not just to have a business and a means of, of, of income because we were, I mean, a lot of us aren't really good at being told what to do. So we got to go get our own thing going. And it's not just that. It's not just to provide a great service for people, which it's about that too, but it's not just that. Um, and, and ch changing and impacting others' lives. But it's so you can live a really cool life. So you can do cool things and really take advantage of all of the, of the, the great things that we have access to. And it's like, it's actually like, in my opinion, honoring all of the opportunities that have been created for us by people that have come before us. And that's what, about, that's what a business is about. So I think then you really, okay, so once you're out of the thick of the weeds and you're like, man, I can breathe, I kind of know what's going on, now you can give that more shape and say, you know what, I want to go this way and for this reason. And then the best thing people can start doing is start shaping out their vision. And, and I know that that's like, it becomes a cliched term because a lot of people say, but like sincerely sitting down and starting to write and think and write and think about what it is that you want from your business and for your business and for yourself. And what are those things match? And then from there, it's making sure that your business doesn't become your sole identity. Because when you do that, it's like, it's like a relationship. It's like that one-sided relationship where, you know, you have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a significant other, whatever. And that one person doesn't have anything else. So they're just stuck on you. Yeah. And then it just tanks. And it's the same thing with a business. So if you don't have anything away from your business other than your business, you're that clingy person that doesn't have anything else. So you either strangle your business or you just strangle yourself because you don't have any other means to fuel yourself and fuel your life. And it, it tanks you, man. Like you become kind of monolithic, you become boring and you just don't, you become, I think, depressed and, and a little taken aback. And I've certainly done that to myself. So I think it's really looking at what you want for yourself and what you want for your business and being able to take a step back and give yourself those other things in your life so that you aren't just this person that's about your business. And one of the best things that I've ever done for um, both the businesses that I worked in is, is return to the things that I really enjoyed to doing and stopped worrying so much about my business all the time because I'm way more creative. I'm way more enjoyable to be around and I'm just, you know, generally I would say happier. And, and when you can take a step back and get out of the weeds and have some perspective about things, um, you're just, you're just better at solving problems. And, and beyond that, beyond all of the, the practical aspect of it, it's like, there's nothing wrong. Like you, I think a lot of times we feel like we have to give ourselves permission to enjoy. Cause I think a lot of us, a lot of us come from like, you know, and I know you can identify with this. Like I'm in, I'm in business for myself because I come from like a fucking punk rock metal. I hate authority. I don't want people telling me what to do. That's, that was my mindset most of my life. So like to sit there and actually look at myself and actually say, Oh man, you're successful. And it's tough to fathom that sometimes and be like, man, you're doing all right. And you're doing something you enjoy. It's almost like you start to feel a little bit of guilt and then you just got to give yourself, 
it's, it's almost like getting to the point where you can give yourself permission. Like, man, it's not wrong to do this. It's not wrong to feel this way and, and getting out of that. And it's like, so I think when you're wrapped up in that, you just, you're just strangled in by your business and, and you push everything else away because you're like, Oh, well, I got to punish myself somehow. And, uh, and I let go of that and I got back to hunting and fishing and playing more music and doing all the things that I really enjoy. And because I sat back and I looked at like, well, what do I really want? You know, yeah. I want to be able to spend a lot of time in Pennsylvania where I'm from. I want these businesses to do really well. I want to affect thousands of lives all over the world and I'm going to do that. But I also want to be able to go home and relax. If I want to go to Alaska for two weeks to hunt, I want to be able to do that. If I want to have, you know, a wife and a family and, and raise kids and not just have them see the dad that's really successful, but you know, dad doesn't get home till eight o'clock and he doesn't have much time for us. Like I won't be that father. And, you know, I started to project myself further into the future to really see those things. And that's what really started to help me give shape to the things that I'm doing. I think that's a really huge thing. Uh, I think w one of the common goals for myself and almost anybody that I've met when they start training, especially transition, I'll say transition trainers as somebody like myself that didn't start with like, didn't go to college to, to build a career, like a second, second career came upon it where we're so used to chasing every dollar. And that's a weird thing. Cause we're like, we're like freelancers, but like in our most, pos most positions as a freelancer, you're a per project or per period of time. Sure days, weeks, months, year. Whereas we're like hour to hour freelancers a lot of the time. And chasing that buck, just trying to make it by is so hard. Yeah. And as we get more experience, we tend to get caught chasing more bucks, which means more hours as opposed to how do we maximize the hours to get the more dollars within. And yeah, everybody does like rate increases and stuff. But even so, like I know for me, one of the things with MFF was MFF for a staff place paid very well and had amazing benefits. But I was also like, I think on my own, I could make this much an hour and my rates not ex extreme. Um, I don't want to have an ego about anything, but you know, if, if somebody were trained with kettlebells in New York or Brooklyn, like there's not a lot of people with the experience that I have in terms of teaching people how to swing or whatnot. Um, but like finding the right dollar per value or per hour rate so that I'm not working three hours for the cost of one now, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, I yeah. know one of the big things this year, you know, I knew when I opened this space that it was going to be fucking crazy. Right. Like I knew like when I open doors, I'm going to have to be here all the time to a degree. The only thing I, I stuck tight to was that I still wasn't going to teach more than one class on a Thursday evening. And now I have that open. I was able to get somebody to teach in that hour. So I still have Thursdays, Fridays. I'm done by two still. And I don't work the weekends unless I'm doing a course, maybe one session every now and then with a regular, but I'm carving out that time for my family and for my wife um, that, yeah, could I be making more money if I stayed open those times? Yeah. And could I be not around my family more? Yeah. And yeah. then I'd be more tired and more miserable. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I've learned and, and you know, certainly your influence and, and Mark and Keeler's influence and Dan John's influence actually as well was carve out the time for yourself because you can't just be your business. You can't just provide for the family and be great. Now, again, if, if it's a matter of kids going hungry, that's one thing. Oh, that's a different story. That's a totally different thing. But most of us aren't quite on that, on that level. No. Or one of the things I'm very grateful that I did here is like my overhead is very low considering my neighborhood and then I'm street. Like I still can't fucking believe it. Like my expenses are maybe like, I'm still really new to know the exact number, but say it's even like somewhere between 29 and $3,100 a month. Right. Nothing. For nothing. 
And when you put that into perspective, folks, you might be like, shit, I can't afford that. Like I know I have friends that pay rent. That's like, you know, a thousand or 1500 bucks, depending where they're at. But I was renting just hourly at the dance studio, spending a thousand dollars there, just renting hourly at a spot, right? You forget that all that money is still being spent elsewhere. I still spend about, I don't know, four or 500 bucks a catalyst doing, I still do some, a couple of sessions a day, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays in the city. That money adds up, right? So for me, I got a small spot. I'd rather grow out of it than it be empty. Um, I knew reasonably with my numbers and I'm not a great numbers guy. I'm, I'm, you know, far from it, but I knew, okay, like this is how many people I need to fill. And I expected to leave myself a big window of growth and it was scary, uh, but we're doing well already. But I had to take the move to be like, okay, this is the step for my life. What I did not do, and this is where I think we've probably seen some of the most struggles with is when people are at a big box gym and they're suddenly like, I'm tired of these rules. I don't want to sell this stuff. I'm just going to do my own thing. People will come. And they're either looking to be their own boss for the sake of not having to listen to somebody or they're trying to be their own boss because they think a ton of money is going to come in. And I think that's unrealistic um, on both fronts. And I think you have to be like, do I have a membership? Like realistically, do I have a membership? Like I'll say the guys at Catalyst, they came in and like were, had enough people right out the gate. Amazing business model, really smart business guys. And for me, I didn't have enough people right out the gate, but I at least came in with like, I knew what my gap was and I had like two thirds of the, the thing coming in. It wasn't blank. So people get caught in that fear of this is my overhead. This is what I need to pay myself. And, and it gets really scary to make those hard decisions that for short-term loss, you're going to have long-term gain. And whether that's dollar gain or emotional well-being gain, uh, I think people have to be aware of that and be able to make that happen. Well, that's why it's important to get guidance. Because you, you, it's just fear because your, your fears are going to overwhelm you if you have no idea how you're going to address them. And, you know, I just, you know, we started doing some business coaching with, with strength faction with some of our members. And you know, I was just, I've been on calls all week and, you know, two of the homework assignments I gave people was like, they, their intake questionnaires, you know, they had a lot of fear and then it's like, Oh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to list out all of those things that you're scared of about, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, write them all out, write what you're afraid of. And then write down what you could do about them right beside it, you know, and, you know, we're going to help them guide through that. If they don't have an answer, we're going to find, help them find the answer and give them, you know, kind of what they should do and point them in the right direction. But, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is like, you need some guidance and you need somebody to help you with your plan because it is, it is big, it is overwhelming and it's, it's, it's tough to, to understand what you don't know. And I, I think that that's a big thing too, is like, you know, get some help from people that run businesses and learn from them because, you know, we don't come into this as business people. And a lot of people, you know, that are even classically trained in business, they don't do that well with this because it's not, it's not, you can't take your MBA and just slap it on a gym and think it's going to work out. Yeah. It's just, it's just not necessarily how it works. So I think that's a big thing. And you brought up numbers and, you know, one of the things that, that I didn't know well enough for years were our numbers. And I would say, get in touch with your numbers. Don't make it just a qualitative thing. You need to understand them um, and, and use your, and, and come up with a, a numbers based vision and then work backwards from there. If like you're looking a year out from now, it's like, all right, looking at what I want the gym to be at, the, the resources that I want to be able to provide, the people that I want to have around, the, the things I want for my life, what do those numbers need to look like? And then you can start to write that down. And then you can work backwards and, and figure out the things that you need to do to make that happen and, and the things that you need to track. And I think those are the other big things is like, don't, 
don't, don't be afraid of numbers. You got to, that's a, that's a dragon. You got to walk right at, because yeah. if you don't understand them and you don't know what you need, it's going to be tough to do it. And then, but when then you understand them, you can start to see what actions that you need to take to get there. And, and until you have that kind of a clarity, it's tough, man. You got to give yourself the, the clarity to know what you need to act towards. Yeah. I know starting here, I, I, trying to wrap my head around what it was, what I would need and what I had. And then I didn't want to adjust my rates because I'd already just done a rate adjustment going into the dance studio. So even though my overhead was going up, I wasn't going to hit people with an increase yet again. And my accountant was actually shocked when I went in that like, you know, I might not know all the specific categories and stuff, but she was like, actually, it sounds like a pretty sound logic decision that you've made. And, you know, we came up with a number that was pretty on point with what I came up as a goal number. And I just don't know if enough of us go into that. And the other thing that I see is when people like uh, folks, when, when we moved into this place, we basically did paint and electric um, and some furniture and a little bit of gear. But for the most part, I think people want to kit out their facilities too. So you get gear that might be necessary and they might not be necessary. Or yeah. maybe you get, you know, the high end robe rack right out the gate. And yeah, there might be a point where you want to invest on the nice rack, but then people get the high end everything and, and, and you don't realize how much stuff is until you look up like an adjustable bench. I was shocked to see how much an incline bench costs, like 600 bucks for an incline bench. They're expensive. Um, those types of things, like think about what your business model is going to be too, just in terms of gear. Like if you want to be a barbell, barbells to be a centerpiece of it, that's a huge expense outright. Um, especially if you're going to grow it out and have, have to get more racks or extensions and more plates and bars. Kettlebells and sandbags, not so much when you compare it to it. Not that I don't want this to turn into a commercial, but I knew that my business model was going to fit in here because I already had most of the gear. It also allowed me with some leniency in terms of the space because I don't have to have crazy reinforced floors because uh, I'm not dealing with that level of thousands of pounds of weight and racks and, and stuff being hauled around. And, uh, you know, we did it. Now, look, is this place a bulletproof business model? No. I've also, the hardest thing that I've had to learn talking with other local businesses is like where you have to allow for some random and maybe not rights, you know, um, just to get some doors open and keep moving oh, yeah. because a small business is not going to be able to be perfect. You're not going to be able to have dot all the I's and cross all the T's in the way. No, you got to act. You just do the best you can and you try to sharpen up what you can, but you know, so there was that, there was just no way I would have been able to open up if I tried to redo as much as I wanted to do. Um, even like uh, skimming the walls. I learned what skimming the walls is. Whether like totally smooth out, sand and smooth out and replaster your walls before they paint. So everything is perfectly smooth. That fucking ain't this. They just painted over everything. But we use like nice colors and stuff. So it looks good. But that wasn't in my budget. But I think a lot of us go into trying to open like has to be perfect out the gate. What really needs to be perfect is like your personality as a coach and your marketing as a salesperson. Like how you put that shit together and how you come across, people are going to let a lot of stuff slide um, in terms of high-end facilities and whatnot if you're delivering a quality experience. And we get caught up yeah. in the way about that, I think. Yeah, it does. I mean, what's the, what's the least you need to be able to run your training model? Get that and then, and then go from there. And then you just you build out incrementally. And it's just nothing's ever perfect. Nothing ever be, is like will ever be perfect. You just have to act. And I think that's the letting the indecision kill you and, and not do anything because it's, you want it to be a certain way out the gate. You know, it's just like, it's just like anything else where you, you compare yourself to the wrong thing and you know, you're seeing 
maybe things that are further down the chain, people further down the, further down the road or something, um, makes it difficult. And because you, you think like, well, I should have that now, but I don't have the resources for that now. It's like, it's not how it works. You just get started and you go, you get started and you go, and then you start to sort things out. And, and the best thing is like, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect, but like action begets everything. You just got to start doing. I think you, again, if you go in knowing like right out the gate, knowing that things are going to be perfect. Like, uh, so when we signed the lease, there was a hole in the ceiling from a perpetual leak. And I was told, and there was like a lot of like leftover shit from the previous tenant. And the two things that I was told before I was handed keys was that leak would be fixed and the shit would be out. And the last things I was already training people, well, fortunately the shit was out. That was, but that took like five extra weeks and it should have. And that hole in the ceiling, we were training around the hole in the ceiling. And I know I had one member in particular of the theory crew who was like, you know, that's really, uh, you know, that's a serious thing. Um, you know, kind of a downer about it. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to train around it until it's finally fixed because there's nothing else I can do. Right. Like I can't stress about it. I'm not moving. Um, right. I can take all the action and you know, we, we started talking about legal action and whatnot. Um, but I'm also being aware of, I'm in a, I'm in a unique neighborhood where like my landlord is a part of a, an active long-term part of this neighborhood. You don't pick a war with somebody like that. You try to make friends with somebody like that. I've heard he's a good guy. He knows all the local folks. You know, I'm not going to be that guy who comes in, so like I negotiated, I handled it really well. It was super stressful, but I think there's that level where some people might bull in the China shop right out the gate on that stuff. And there's a level of finesse. Now folks, I also want to say like, um, Rob Hoffman's going to be the next guest on this show. And, uh, uh we'll, we're going to talk specifically about fear on that because this was not a bold and brave. I mean, I guess it was brave and bold, but like it, I was fucking, you'll hear more about this on the next episode. I was like, I almost had a nervous breakdown after I signed the lease. Like I literally thought for a little bit that I made the worst decision in my life. Um, but then when you came out, when I came out of that, I think we have to allow ourselves to be like, yeah, I think we're onto something and follow it as opposed to like, nah, there's no way. You know how we talk about imposter syndrome for like presenting and coaching. Sure. It's like that for businesses. But I think you also have to do that. Like, you know, just like you would is uh, sort of tally your own experiences be like, does this really make sense? And then talk to people and not just your friends or mentors, but also like find an accountant and be like, does this seem reasonable? Now, mind you, I jumped on this thing way too, way quickly without any backup. I was basically like, Kim was in China, but the numbers seemed to make sense that for two extra thousand bucks a month, I had unlimited growth potential in this place and relatively limited startup costs. Like more, more, more expensive than my paint and stuff is like now I'm on a monthly Zen planner bill and spectrum business. Like, you know, I have a fucking landline phone that has been called exactly 22 times since we opened because <laughs> it says that I've missed 22 calls, um, those types of things, but it's sculpting out what you want, but being realistic about it too. Um, fortunately I'm very, uh, sort of humbled. I mean, this isn't a, this is gonna sound like a humble brag. Like we're already at numbers. Like we're hitting where we need to be. I have very little out of pocket costs now in terms of daily day-to-day operations to get started. Now we're running. Right. Um, but I didn't expect to hit that. So I had realistic expectations going in of a worse, of a worser case scenario than where I'm at right now. And we're just finishing up our first, our second full month of, uh, of being open. And it's amazing. And who I was even as a business person then in just the last three months to now is insane. Um, but I'm taking like, I'm trying to learn and grow each baby step. So I think I'm still in that process of how do I carve this out 
to be more for my life. Cause now Monday through Monday through Wednesday in particular, I'm working my ass off. Like they're crazy long days. Thursday is still a long day. Friday's really, it's a short day, but it's dense and compact. Um, now I'm thinking about, you know, extending hours for staff and really paying people. And that's like, you know, I'm not going to jump into it, but I know that I can't maintain the level that I'm doing. I guess this is the other pitfall, right? We all get caught coaching within our businesses when we should be focusing on running the businesses more. Um, so I guess that's the next evolution for me. But uh, so if someone comes to you and you, you sort out their systems and they have an idea where they want to go, what is like a big, what would be the next piece of advice? Like how do you help somebody focus on what is the one link that should like start the chain? Like, uh, like from an FMS perspective of a score, yeah. sort of, what do you target first? You just got their score and you can see, you know, obviously there'd be like, you know, the pain things where the most comes from, but what would you make a priority? Would it be like, um, I guess systems, right? What do you think? Well, you'd have to evaluate you have to evaluate where, where the weak links are. That's it's just like anything else. You know, it's like, is it a, is it a service problem? You know, are there indicators that, you know, you have a service issue and a service issue would mean like, you know, you're not retaining clients as you should. Um, are you not getting leads like you should? So maybe you have a marketing problem. Um, is it a sales and onboarding problem? So do you have a bunch of leads, but you're not converting them and just running things through a filter like that, um, which is, you know, what we're going to help, all of our, our business clients do is, is sort out. Okay. So where's the, where's the, the priority based on these things? So if it's like, listen, you've had the same clients for 37 years, but you're not getting any new ones and you're not having the numbers to bring in new ones and you can't grow your business. Well, it's like, you know, then that's it. And then, you know, so it's just running things through a filter like that. So you can really find out where it is people need to take action. And then from there, it's making sure that people are taking care of themselves, you know, and, and because if you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself, it's, it's very difficult to, to do the things that you need to do for other people and for your business. And it's, um, you know, it's not, I, I gets kind of cliched and everything, but it's just reality, you know, and are you doing little things to make sure that you're giving yourself the space to think? And then from there, it's, it's figuring out, um, what do you need to do to be able to work on your business and less in your business? Because if you, it's, so there's a couple ways to look at that. So it's like, if you're like, no, I own this business, but really what I want to do is coach, then you need to get somebody to do all of the other business stuff for you. But if you know that you want to be able to evolve into a person that, that runs a business and an entrepreneur and you have the time and you want the lifestyle that comes with that, then you need to start to have a plan of how you're going to really bring people in, bring them up, develop them. And so you can step back and do the other things that you need to do to develop your business. But it's, it's really just like, there's not, it's, it's understanding. It's just like anything else. You know, you, when you um, evaluate and assess a new client, you meet them where they're at and you try to guide them forward from there based on where they're at and where they want to go. And it's the same thing. We just like it, you look at someone's, we'll look at someone's business. Um, where are you at right now? Where do you think you'd like to go? At least a rough idea. What's working? What isn't? And, and really understanding the individual nuance and then helping guide them based on that. And a lot of times, you know, there, there are some, some glaring things. Like if, if you're not getting enough leads, that's obvious. If people are leaving, that's obvious. If you're not converting, that's obvious. So it's, it's just looking at those different aspects of the business and going from there, you know, and then thinking about that from a goal standpoint too. It's like, listen, I, if you're like, I really want to be coaching under five hours a week. Well, 
we know where we need to work then. We need to get you a staff that, that can actually support your business and, and give you the time to do the other things, you know? Yeah, that's sort of the, the odd point that I'm at is trying to figure out realistically, what can I pay, how much? Because I also look at the numbers and I'm like, well, that's going to be like potentially $20,000 that's not going to my pocket, but part of that will actually be going, you know, like there'll be money on top of that coming in my pocket. Like that's the thing we all need to start to wrap our heads around. Um, I just want to go into that assessment part though. How do you think, I think a lot of the time the case is people play that blame game of blaming everybody else as to why there's no leads, why there's no retention. You know, it's the neighborhood, it's the economy, it's algorithms, it's that. I mean, if, listen, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, there's just being honest. Like you have to be honest with people. And it's like, look, man, like if, if people aren't staying, you know, getting to the point where you can have an honest conversation with the problem and say like, look, man, it's, people aren't saying you have a service problem. There's an issue there and you have to really evaluate that and be honest with yourself. You can sit there and say, it's the economy. You can sit there and say, it's this, you can sit there and say, it's that, but you don't have any control over that. So even if that was the case, well, I guess just sit back and suck your thumb because there's not a goddamn thing you can do. So let's look at the things that we can do something about and say, you know, if you're not getting leads, you need to evaluate what you're going to do about that. Is it okay? You're not interested in doing any kind of marketing or marketing or lead generation. Then you need to get somebody in place that'll do that for you. If you know, you don't want to do X, then you need to get somebody in place to do that for you. But you have to sit there and be honest about your business and where you really want to go. And if you're not willing to do that, it's just like anything else, man, if someone's not willing, ready and willing to change, they're not going to. So, you know, we honestly, I wouldn't, if someone had such an overt victimized mindset like that, this might sound bad, but I just wouldn't try to help them because they're not going to listen. They're just not going to listen. And, and I'm, we're not going to be able to help them because they're just not ready to do anything about it. I had calls with people like that. I talked to somebody on the phone and they were like, they were at 25 clients. They weren't getting any leads. They weren't doing, and, and this is for a facility. It's not for a, a facility that has to support more than one person. And you know, they had this, they said they wanted to just grow conservatively. And in five years, they wanted to be at like 60 some clients. And I was like, if that's how you want to approach this, I have a real hard time believing that you're going to be in business in five years. And I just, ha I just felt like I needed to be blunt with them. And that's where we were. It's like, you're not going to be there. Like, if you think that's it, you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to generate the action or the resources that you need to do to still be in business at this time. Unless you charge a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. you know, there's just no way. And, and so it's like, it really comes back to readiness, ready, being ready and willing to change. And that's how you can, if someone's going to be a victim, they're going to be a victim and you're not going to be able to help them. Really you know, what struck me as, and uh, what was, I think it was Kitchen Confidential, the first Anthony Bourdain book. He mentions, you know, he talks about like all these restaurants, how they start and they stop. And that most of the great owners and investors in restaurants, they know that as soon as it's starting to die, they don't really try to save it. They actually pull out, they close down, they cut their losses, and then they try to go back. And I think you know, when I look back now in terms of how I thought I had my business model, now mind you, all of them until I opened this place had limited overhead because most of it was being done from home. But I think a lot of us, we, we want to open up or we open up and then the struggle's there. And the thing that we look for is either paying a shit ton of money for outside help. Like when I hear how some of these mentorship programs, how expensive they are, uh, I'm like, wouldn't that money 
potentially be better served in your own business, like as opposed to outside? It depends, man. It, it depends on whether or not you know what to do. There also yeah. is, there, there's also a lot of value in that stuff. And I mean, not to, you know, just to offer a counterpoint is like, you, dude, sometimes there's immense value in there. If it's a really good one and people are going to give you the information that you need and really help guide you towards where you want to be. So you can say, yes, it would be good in your business if you know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and if you need guidance, like you gotta, you gotta be willing to pay for that. And you know, we've, we've done that and it's helped us immensely. We paid for really bad guidance and I was like, well, I'm never doing that shit again. And we've paid for really good guidance and it's really, it's been the best thing that we've ever done for ourselves. So it's like, you know, sometimes those expensive things are worth it because it puts you in the room with the right people. I think it's more, I guess, about, like you said, application and then the long-term follow-through of that. Uh, yeah. Sometimes and, I see people spending the money and having the same problems. You're not, you're, yeah, you just didn't do shit. You got to act. Like It's not like just being a member of a group or getting guidance from a certain coach is going to do anything for you. It's the same thing with fitness. You can sign up for, the, you could sign up for BSP Nova, my gym, and if you don't want to do shit about it, can't help yeah. you. But if you want to do shit about it, you're not going to find a better training product in the world. But it's like, that's if you want to do something. And, you know, if you sign up for something expensive and you're still in the same place and after a year, there's nobody responsible for that other than the person that you're looking at in the mirror. That's it. You know? Awesome. Well, so as we start to wrap this up, because folks, yes, I, like I said, I'm trying to keep these a little bit shorter and, and a little bit more on point. If you had somebody that's listening right now is, is sort of the person we're talking about feeling really pulled thin, not making enough money, not really sure what strategy to hit, whether it's focused on online, personal training, small group, classes, whatever you want to do. Uh, I know this sounds like a broad one, but if we can keep it to like a simple answer, what would be the first thing outside of systems, the first question or piece of advice you would give them to try to help define where they should want to go? Because I think part of the problem right now is everybody's sort of caught on potentially focusing on seven revenue streams as opposed to focusing on the one they want to do the most, which I think mm -hmm. sometimes is where we're lost. You know, I'll say this just as a podcaster. Like I know I've started getting a lot of people reaching out to me about starting podcasts and I'm super happy to help. But I think some, a lot of them weren't necessarily because they had this thing in their gut that said, I want to do a podcast creatively. Some of it was just like, this has become the new thing you do like blog writing or Instagram stories. Um, like an expectation. And I just, for me, I feel like that's like a pretty big waste of time. And folks, like one of the reasons we went on hold was because I just knew for until this business was up and running in some sort of state, uh, I was not going to invest the mental space for this until I was in a happier place to enjoy it and have it still be fun and not a stressor. So how would you help? What, what would be that piece of advice or question you would ask somebody that's trying to define where to go? I mean, I, I would start with helping them with their mindset you know, and, and making sure that they're not acting out of scarcity and fear and really projecting themselves into like, you know, thinking about what it is that they want, getting excited about that and taking action towards it rather than just being afraid of, of all of the things that they're afraid of. And because if you can't fix your mindset and, and really start to aim at something that you want um, and start to alleviate the fear and start to see a path towards it, you're kind of, you're not in a good spot and it's going to be tough. So it's all going to start with like, realizing that that is it and aiming at something that, that gets you excited and something that, um, th 
that is that's a little scary to shoot for in that way but not like you're not just running from a scarcity mindset you're like i'm shooting at something that makes me nervous because i don't know if i can do it and then when you have that that's really that's really a good thing so i would really help people figure out okay mindset and that the first call we do with our business group that's where we're starting because it's like if you if you're aiming too if you're aiming too shallow if you're aiming too low it's going to be really tough to get a lot of things done so yeah i still have to fill out my intake form for that by the way i'm sorry you gotta get that done we're starting next week i know we'll get it done um dude i think that was like really important at least for me because i know some of what you just said is sort of what you directly spoke to me about and I think the biggest thing for me that came out of our conversation was I didn't want to work in the city anymore or at least nowhere near as much. And I wanted to work closer to home so that I could cut that commuting time around. And I think for people, whether they want to do personal training, you know, that's the other thing too, I guess, be mindful of all these like blogs and articles and posts where everybody acts like they just know all their shit and they're like, you know, personal training's dead or this is dead or do that or blah, blah, blah. Like, you're always going to be able to find personal training clients if that's what you love. If you're good, you're going to find those people. If you want to do small group, yeah, it's an excellent business model, but there's also struggles with small group or semi-private, semi-personal. There's struggles if you're not filling the spots as well. Like, what do you want to do? Um, and then how do you get there? And know that that get there is going to take a while because I think that's the hard part too. And then maybe you quit too soon. Have that realistic struggle. Um, but I do think there's that moment too where you have to have a clarity to adapt to be like, Either I'm unhappy doing this and I, I misjudged what this was going to be, but how do I now steer this ship either sharply or slowly towards where I want to be? And I think we get lost on those course corrections sometimes. And I think now when I, again, I don't want to come across like super successful or anything, but for, for two months open, I'm really stoked on where we're at. I'm sure we're going to have some fucking devastating times ahead as well. But I also see like we have it scratched the surface here. Uh, and it's the culmination of not just being open for three months. It's the culmination of all of the work I've done to try to get better over the last nine. But a lot of that started directly two and a half years ago with, with you and I having that conversation about where do I want to be and about leaving MFF. So um, thank you, man. And I of think course. that's listening out there. Uh, wow. We didn't really talk about Godzilla or superheroes or anything. This was pretty deep, um, but it really helped. Like I'm living, I still, at the end of classes, especially at the end of the week, I fucking marvel at where I'm at. I, I'm, I'm in this room, and uh, folks, I invite anybody to come and visit the Speakeasy of Strength. We've had several people from uh, Strength Faction. Um, Casey and Lacey actually came down at individual times wearing Ramona shirts. Uh, you know, Kirk and Wes have been down here. Uh, I'm in a place that is the culmination of all my marketing and my personality and branding over the last number of years. Uh, I didn't change everything to follow a trend necessarily. I've pushed my social media where I wanted to. I do it more than I'd like to right now because, you know, I do value the social proof thing. Something again that you had emphasized uh, that I took to heart when, when we actually opened a physical space with higher overhead. But like, there's fucking, if folks, if you can, if this, you can't see this, but there's like Star Wars toys and GI Joes. I've got a sick of it all poster above the cooler. Like Ramona was in here earlier. Like I'm living the fucking dream. And I'm not loaded or anything, but there's potential that I could have a very happy life here. And uh, 
it is largely through that uh, facing through the fear, but trying to put systems in place, trying to spend the invest in the time long term when you don't have so much overhead to clarify your message and who you are and who you want to be. I think it's paid a long way. Um, but also allowing yourself not to know. Uh, and I think that was a big thing that I got from you and Chris and Keeler in particular at one moment was like, just open, just open doors. And uh, knowing that I already had like a business plan in place, but it was like open door, start training. The growth will come. And uh, so thank you for that. And listeners, let me know, hit me up if this helps at all. And uh, thank you for like sticking by anybody that came back. <laughs> I did not expect this to be a three month break off of the show. I certainly didn't expect, had no idea returning as a business owner, official business owner of a brick and mortar. Um, and uh, look forward to more from the Coach Fury podcast and uh, fury-industries.com. Todd, what's going on? Uh, anything you want to promote right now in the world of uh, Strength Facts and or BSP Nova? No, I'm, I mean, just check us out, man. Uh, strengthfaction.com or our Instagram uh, at strengthfaction. You know, and uh, my email is todd at beyondstrengthperformance.com. Happy to answer any questions you have. I'll throw that up on the, on the notes. Folks, I, I've said this before and I don't want it to be a marketing angle. It's like this, I am now like beyond being a mentor and having a show, uh, the place that I am in is largely responsible because of Strength Faction and the cats there. And it's not just Todd, Chris, or Mike. It's like leaning on a lot of other people from that group and getting advice and support. And if you're feeling kind of lost, like I did, like hop on. It might seem like it, it's the most worthy expense, even when we're talking about like, you know, having to spend a lot of money potentially with some of like, you know, the bigger names in the business. This is just, you will not waste a dollar on this. Um, coming from literally recording a podcast in a studio, uh, largely based on the growth that I've experienced intellectually through Strength Faction. Um, get out there and train folks, have some fun, do some cool shit. If you want to skateboard, go skateboard. If you want to go see a movie, go see a movie. But, uh, have a fucking rich life, everybody. This is freaking rad, dude. I feel so good to be doing the podcast again, folks. I hope this wasn't sketchy at all because like, I was really nervous coming back to doing it. I thought I forgot how to do all this stuff. And uh, again, Todd, man, as a friend, as a brother, as a mentor, uh, thank you, man. Um, course, seriously, man. dude, like you, you talk about impacting lives. Like it's fucking clear how much of an impact you've had here. Cause like, I'm going to hold up my screen and nobody can see this, but dude, like look at all this shit, man. It's awesome, man. That's fucking strength faction. Um, all right, listeners, stay tuned uh, for episodes. Uh, we might actually start dropping monthly episodes, like where all four episodes of the month come out at once. Uh, I'm going to give Glenn, he's still coming back for art, but we're not going to do individual art for every episode. We're going to do it a little bit more like monthly seasons so we can just make the process a little smoother and easier for everybody um, since I do have a lot more responsibilities now. Um, but again, let me know what you think of the new shorter, more direct format, and it'll be topical, and some of those topics will be about Godzilla directly or Marvel or whatever. Um, but thank you for listening. Oh, and thanks for everybody that listened, actually. I went back on the – I haven't checked my SoundCloud page. SoundCloud? SoundCloud? SoundCloud is if you have a podcast and you're a juggalo. That's on SoundCloud. <laughs> I'm down to SoundCloud. Um, but I went back on finally on my SoundCloud page. Just so I couldn't remember what episode we're on. This is 86. And fucking, like – 30,000 plus people have listened to this show and people were still listening while we were off. I'm like, thank you, everybody. I guess we're checking out old episodes. So um, we're back. 
and growing. And again, stay tuned, follow Todd shit, listen to Strength Faction, or, or I should say, look up Strength Faction. Strength Faction podcast, kick-ass podcast is also rad. I get a lot of info out of that. And uh, goodbye, everybody. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.